right, here we go. The most promising leap season in recent memory. 18 points separating these two teams during the regular season headed into this first round matchup. Leafs went 7-2-1 against the Montreal Canadiens during that regular season. Off to a game six in Montreal with fans. J.D. Bunkus's last tweet at 9.24 p.m. Eastern time. 209 likes. Thinking of what it would be like with fans in the building right now. I can only assume that that tweet happened immediately following goal number two from what looked like the hero, Jake Muzzin, last night. Since then, radio silence from you until this very moment. How are you feeling? That was weirdly very, very high up on the gut-punching loss scale for being Leafs fans, I think. Lots um, to choose from. Yeah, yeah. You got, well, not so much in meaningful games, as we've outlined over the last 17 years, but part of what is so torturous about being a Leafs fan is that you're always assuming what can go wrong, what can go wrong, what can go wrong, right? And... I had sort of resigned myself to the Leafs losing that game when Montreal went up 3 nothing, which is probably, you know, not the best way of looking at a game where these two teams have a large disproportion, I believe, in terms of talent and skill and ability. And, you know, if, if Toronto goes up 3 nothing in the series or in a game in the series, I don't anticipate Montreal having any chance of getting back into it, whereas I believe a rational thinking person believes they could totally get back in it. And, you know, I was watching the game with my buddy Gomes, and he was wildly optimistic that Toronto would find a way back in, whereas I was kind of like, eh. To get back into that game in that fashion and to feel like the axis was tilting a little of, okay, this is why this team is different. They're going to be the better team that can fall behind 3 nothing in a game and come back. And I know that the Columbus thing happened last year, but that was to stay alive in a series versus... This was to close a series and spark a bit of a celebration. So to have it get tied up and go to overtime and think, they're the team, they're the ones that are buzzing, they're on top of them, they have all the momentum, and now they get to put them away, to have it finish so quickly and in that fashion, where it's a two-on-O and a horrible giveaway by... Alex Galchenyuk, who was a hero earlier and a hero from the game before, it was just, it, it was a little, that was a tough pill to swallow. I understand why people are so anxious and so, uh, yeah, nervous today. I viewed that game, I, I view sports, especially this time of year, because there's so many grandiose things that can happen and career narratives can be written. I view everything through the lens of, like, a sports movie, especially now that this actually is being filmed for our consumption coming up in the fall. We're going to have an Amazon series that documents every second of this That Amazon thing. series has to go on the shelf if the Leafs lose two more games. <laughs> like, who would ever watch that? That's like when Shy wrote that book about the Blue Jays in right. 2013. Which you should what buy. Buy that book. Yeah, buy that book. No, for sure. Relive the worst <laughs> season called? in your life. Broken Dreams or something? Yeah, that was uh, called uh, <laughs> Here's uh, 
300 pages of paint. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, I I view it like a like a narrative, like a a storybook. And mm. what a story the Maple Leafs were writing. Mm. That game 1 getting punched in the gut emotionally and then the result in the hockey game almost secondary, mm. but the feeling that we all had after it to bounce back the way they did and then to have a chance to close it out on home ice for the first time in quadrillion years mm-hmm. and to go down 3 nothing, But then to come all the way back, we knew it wasn't going to be easy. And even in a short five-game series, they overcame so much. And uh, no, it has to be even harder than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It has to be more difficult than even losing your captain for the entire series in the yeah. first game of the series Going down 3 nothing in a closeout game, coming all the way back, and then losing within seconds of overtime. It has to be more difficult than that, and then going on the road to Montreal. Yeah, so my brain has already started to do spin zone things, right? Where I'm thinking to myself, that's one more, That's a couple more days for Tavares to get right, you know? Right. That's, a, that's a couple more games for Tavares to get right uh, if, if they make it to the Jet series. Or, hey, you know... It's a it's a elimination game for Montreal against the Leafs on a Saturday night, and there are going to be some people in Montreal who get to go and see that game. What a reward for anybody that is going to be there, and how fun it is for everybody. And I'm a hockey fan as well, and so having a meaningful game, right, where it's going to be center stage, the only hockey game that night, I assume, unless they start the second round, they are. I think they're, they're starting the second round. Bruins and Saturday Bruins night are going to play Saturday, yeah. Okay. Well, that's unfortunate because I actually would have loved for American hockey fans to take part in this as well, much like if you're a Blue Jays fan and you were, get an opportunity to watch Red Sox-Yankees as a standalone in 04, uh, you would have been able to get a, a feeling like this, right? And God, I hope the Habs aren't the Red Sox here. Uh, <laughs> but... That there's this cool moment where now everybody's invested. And I'm happy that Habs fans are invested again, right? Like, there is a part of me that goes, this is great now that Habs fans have not just complete apathy about their team and that hope is a dangerous thing and hope will drive a man insane, all those things, right? So I'm already spin zoning this to death. But then right behind all those spin zones is me going, what you just said, which is... Can it just be easy one time? Like, it's been 17 years since they won a playoff series. I, I, I don't need other spin zones right now. I just want a closeout game, them to win, and them to move on, and not face the horrific anxieties of, well, now Carey Price only needs to steal two hockey games, and that seems plausible. <laughs> like, that seems not out of the realm of possibility. But that's the thing. Even if they had closed it out yesterday, that would have been extremely difficult. That wouldn't have been easy. Mm -hmm. You would have said, man, they they did it in five games. That wasn't easy. And again, Mm. we're not talking about the... Okay. You can quibble. You can quibble. No, I would quibble because I would say that if you win a series in five games and it's a gentleman's sweep, and especially in the fashion that it was, and coming down from three goals in a playoff game Uh, against a team that's supposed to be built like, if we get a lead, we can protect it then it would have been a lot of, well, come on, you beat up on that horrible team and they're the worst team in the playoffs and what did you even prove and people trying to sap joy away. I just don't think Leafs fans would have cared. Well, but here's the other thing. It's the first round, right? Like, Mm -hmm. it's the first round. You're Mm -hmm. looking for your first series victory in Mm -hmm. 17 years. Like, just one series victory Mm -hmm. 
how many fan bases would you go around to and, and take their temperature and say, like, how excited are you about a first-round victory in the Stanley Cup playoffs? They'd be like, that's okay. That's all right. That's fine. Well, Here it's we're in this thing. Yeah, we were in this to, to win cups. This is the first freaking round against a clearly superior – like, one team is superior to the other in, in a lot of respects and very few that there's even a debate about. And I mentioned the discrepancy between these two teams during the regular season. It's played itself out over the majority of the series. And even that, in this first round series, it cannot, will not, is not easy. If any time there was for this to be easy, this would be it. And it's just, I guess so, it'll never be easy. It's never going to be easy. So, I'm obviously anxiety-ridden with the thought of Carey Price stealing two games. Because that's just there. Carey Price, the beginning of that game, well, I, I really did think that one of the b- biggest like hinge moments is Wayne Simmons has the top of the net, a goal that he loves to score, yes, a goal that is a tailor-made oh. Wayne Simmons play where he's got space in front of the net and he's got great hands in close, and he misses it. But then after that, Price makes a couple spectacular saves, and... Frankly, I don't think that game was Jack Campbell's fault or anything like that. This is not me like laying the blame at his feet, but Jack Campbell didn't give them those saves in return. And that really tilted the game. All of a sudden, Montreal goes from being a team where if they get scored on first, I think that they're just like warming up the bus and the guys are, you know, nobody's even showering in the building. They're just going straight to the bus in their gear. Uh, we're going back home to Montreal tonight. Toronto doesn't get those stops and all of a sudden it became, becomes a game and all of a sudden Montreal's reinvested and yeah, I just I do think that there's enough guys on that team that whether it's Corey Perry or Shea Weber or Carey Price are going to be um, selling the we've got them on the ropes and are these guys a different team and, and I think that there's a corollary, there's a connection between Leafs fans and the team in this regard, which is are you any different? Like, are you new this year? Are you actually a different group? Both. Both fans and players. Are you going to be able to show up in Montreal and start on time and give an incredible effort and put Montreal away? And are you as fans going to be able to pivot into the reality of the situation, which is Montreal got extremely lucky to win that game and they were up 3 nothing. Yeah. I, I, I can't help but think of the Sheldon Keefe post-game comment about mm-hmm. this, about being new, about being different, mm-hmm. about having learned from the sins of the past. We got ourselves in a hole there, talking about the beginning of the game and the 2 nothing deficit. Mm-hmm. Is it part of the learning curve? Perhaps. It certainly looked that way. Dude, do you know that Mike Babcock is doing... I was watching him. I oh, watched him analyze the game. Yeah, I okay, was watching I the, the Canes game afterwards. He was on the broadcast yesterday, yeah. and yeah. He, you have to watch him talk about Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews yeah. and the Toronto Maple Leafs on NBC. So I don't know anything that he said because I didn't watch it. I watched our intermissions, and no, I not, wasn't no, even I aware not that during that game I watched. Oh, okay, in, later in the okay. other game. Yeah. Either way, so he's he's in between. Uh, he's in between the breaks. All I could think of after they fell down in that hole was, and, and this was before I even knew he was doing 
uh, studio analyst work was his whole like you got to start on time you got to start on time you got to start on time and how that felt like old Leafs where sure did they get some chances and did Carey Price make some saves like yeah they did but Toronto also was pretty lackluster in the first period and that's what put them in a hole and like yeah Willie Nylander misses this like you know uh, going posting in by uh, half foot they had some scoring chances. They were dangerous, but they should be dangerous. They have the better players in this series, and I don't ever expect them to play a period where they don't get some scoring chances. Ultimately, they were not their best selves. So now it shifts to, well, people are laying, playing the blame game. Who's to fault for this? Who's to fault? I just sort of look at that as a, like a, a bad team loss. Like, even when so Keith clearly blames Rasmus Sandin because he didn't play him after the second goal against. He just said, "No, sorry, you're not in here." They the first indicator was when, or the biggest indicator was Morgan Riley moving to the power play, and how it was just we're not even anticipating you in the lineup for the next game. We don't know when you're in. To me, that's a little short-sighted. I I don't know better than Sheldon Keith, and I think that there's a case to go to Travis Dermott in the next game. But I like having the best players available play. And to me, Sandine is the better player. And if we're doing the thing about like growth opportunities and reasons, to, I don't think Rasmus Sandine is going to all of a sudden turn into like a flawed player in the series or an unreliable player in the series. He's been pretty good. Same thing goes for the Galchenyuk play. Like, hey, guess what? This is what happens when you're leaning on Alex Galchenyuk to be a second line player is that he's going to provide some offense for you, but he's also going... There's a reason why that guy was almost out of the league, <laughs> okay? The, it wasn't that people hated his guts. It's that he has some flaws to his game, and he's mistake-prone. And he can be defensively uh, a liability, and he can be a liability when it comes to decision-making. And that ate them up, and that cost them in that game. So, yes, are those guys at fault for those moments in the game? Absolutely they are, but... I'm really not looking at this one like what a disaster this was for Toronto that they just had these two guys that made back-breaking plays or that they didn't get a stop from their goalie and that's what did it or Thornton doesn't get the pass. It's like, no, 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 no. They just they didn't start early enough and it's a closeout game. They gave another team life and they blew it. They blew an opportunity to close that home. Now they have to face the anxiety of what if, what if, what if. Sheldon Keefe said it perfectly. Hockey's a game of mistakes. Like There's mistakes mm-hmm. in every single hockey game. There's Look at every goal that's ever been scored in the National Hockey League, and sure, some are incredible individual efforts, but there's always going to be a mistake. I look at the entire 60-plus minutes of that hockey game, and on balance, who was the better team? Like Maybe marginally the Leafs in that hockey game? Clearly the worst one they played of the series so far. Yeah, like, I'd say I say so too. It, it, I know it's not about deserve in sports, right? But I do like when you get what you deserve, and it's hard to say that the Leafs deserved to win that hockey game, no. even without the mistakes. The, the top that line being said, once the- they tied it. But once yeah. they tied it, I really did feel as though this was now, again, now it was the shoe on the other foot, and that's what sucks, is it, it felt like the Leafs were the Bruins now, you know, where yeah. you you came back. You were going to gut punch the other team when they all had hope, when their fan base had hope, and then you were going to go into overtime. And normally in those scenarios, it's, oh, you blew the huge lead? Well, you're done. It's over for you. Your team is going to crumble. And it's just the one muffin of a play that tilts it where you go, well, you just you can't do that. That's the one thing you can't do is give them a 2-on-0. Is it the first time in the history of hockey where there's been a 2-on-0 in Same an shift. overtime? 
Like, Second shift, like Matt, the Matthews line starts it. They ugh. barely even touch the puck. They go off after like 29 seconds. Like they, they, mm. they were barely on the ice. And I get it. You want to get everybody into the overtime, I, I mm-hmm. think it's part of it. And you want to have quick shifts because you don't have no idea how long the hockey sure. game is going to go. Yeah, but yeah. that's the thing. Like you play it out, play the long game in overtime, and the better team is going to have the majority of the chances, you think. But they couldn't even get there. It, yeah. it reminds me of like a three on three during the regular season where like you win that first face off, you have yeah. that first possession, don't yeah. let the other team touch it. Yeah. So anyway, the my I think everybody has two brains right now. If you're a Leaf fan, is you've got the mindset of this team has been better. They've been proving they've been better all series long. You have to believe that they're not going to drop three straight games to an inferior team. That's just logic. That's just you know those are analyzing. What has been in front of you and determining the most likely outcome is that the Toronto Maple Leafs win this series. Yeah. But there's always going to be that second part of you that goes, you know, Philip Deneau has done a pretty good job at at least slowing down Austin Matthews. Yep. And he has shadowed him very well. And Carey Price is still Carey Price. And if he gets a couple of those saves early in a game six and Toronto gives up the first goal, how are they going to respond to that? And now we're headed for what I think is the best sporting event that we've had. Man, you go obviously a year, a year plus mm-hmm. since March, because that's, I mean, that's just, that's also just fact that we haven't had fans in the stands for any sporting mm-hmm. event since March 11th. Yeah. But I think you go beyond that when you talk about the historical significance of this matchup <sighs> in this playoff series, all the things that we said going into it that kind of the shine wore off because the Leafs were dominating it so mm-hmm. thoroughly. Now we're in a game six where it's, as John Gibbons would say, nut-cutting time, that you're in that game six in front of fans at, honestly, I mean, you've talked about the feeling between the two buildings, the mecca of hockey in the world. Yes, but I also... the the, The fans thing is really not playing into any of my thought process in this. I will say that the reason why I tweeted that I'm thinking about fans in the building last night is, and and this is like pretty unfair, and you've already made fun of me for this take because you said something along the lines of, if there's fans in the building, that stops Alex Galchenyuk from throwing that that pass in the middle of the ice. (laughs) But I I, kind of do feel as though, A, if there's fans, there's a different energy in the building early, and the Leafs do start a little bit better. And two is that, if they tie that game and fans are in the building, it, it's going to feel like the world is coming down on you if you're Montreal and that you know all hope is lost and that everybody's against you and who knows, right? But I, I'm not – if you're power-ranking anxieties of the next game or Montreal's path to victory, I, I just think that the only path to victory now for them is the goaltending story where it's does Jack Campbell let in some bad goals? I thought number two was bad. I just I, I don't know what he was doing on the play. It's kind of a scramble thing where it ping pongs off of guys' sticks and ends up in the back of the net. But Austin I just don't know what he's doing. Hall were right there too, though, yeah. and they couldn't get their sticks on it. Sure. Again, I, I I actually think it's like really unfair to do this kind of stuff on plays like that. But I just didn't like it. I just thought, man, like you look like you're swimming, and you actually were swimming, and a, and a goal goes in the back of your net. And Carey Price didn't have those goals, so. The path to me is goaltending. Does Jack Campbell let in a bad one, and does Carey Price completely shut down the Leafs? And can Montreal get one power play goal and make you feel as though the series is tilting back the other way? Okay, there's a path. 
But the fan anxiety thing does nothing for me. I don't think that 2,500 people... First of all, I would say that if you look at the secondary ticket market, it's basically two grand to get a ticket to this game, right? Yeah. I got to believe that a lot of Montreal fans that bought those tickets um, or got those tickets, the reason why you can get so many is that what they're trying to do is gouge Toronto Maple Leaf fans. That's, that's who those tickets are for, is people who are going to make the trip to Montreal buy those tickets, spend the two grand or whatever, and go to that game. Because I don't know. I, I don't think you want to pay or – if you're a Habs fan, are you going to miss out on $2,000 to watch your team play in a game where the other group is favored and has a chance to close out on you? Like – I think that's an actual conversation you would have. I know for me personally, like, I've already been in this scenario with the Blue Jays uh, against Cleveland where I did keep my tickets and I did go to those games. Or I went to, like, and I was convincing fans to come with me. I already know I'm the type of person who wants to go and buys the ticket to go to the game, not the potential of the upsell and making a little bit of a profit. But I could totally see Habs fans wanting to sell those tickets, and and I don't think it's going to be 2,500 Habs fans who are – raucous and up on the glass they're all going to be spread out it's going to be a weird vibe it'll add something to it i'm thrilled that there will be people in the building of course of course of course but i would guess out of the 2500 that there's at least going to be a few hundred leaf fans in there too yeah i would think so i i'll be competing energy i i think the purchasing of those tickets and the being in that building goes beyond hockey honestly like i'm pretty emotional even thinking sure. about like the people that get a chance to be there that it is the first time in over a year that we're going to have fans in the building, that it is this historic thing that, I don't know, we're, we're maybe going to look back on highlights of this thing. First of all, there's only 2,500 fans, and they're all pretty much jammed into the lower bowl, and they're spaced out, but that you're going to see yourself probably in a crowd shot at some point. You're going to have historical documentation that you were at, like the moon landing is what it feels like. Honestly, it's crazy. And there's some people appalled by the, the the sticker price of two grand on the secondary No, no, the, the price is market. appropriate. The price is appropriate. I, don't I know thought why. we'd be looking at 10 grand. I, I, no. <laughs> I swear to you. I thought we'd be looking yeah. at 10 grand. <laughs> That's Rich Ben Ennis talking where money is nothing to you. Uh, so I, I, we got to pivot because I, I, we're going to talk to David Amber. We're going to going to talk to our buddy Colby Armstrong. We're going to look at this from a betting perspective uh, with Quebec Cresta later in the show. We're, we're going to do playing more Leafs. In fact, and as always, you know, I, I had my, my Instagram DMs and my Twitter DMs especially. That's always where I get the most anxious people who send me like really long anxiety riddled things. And, you know, I, I read one guy this morning, I think his name is Robbie. He was like, I just can't do this. I can't do this. And I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> but trust me, I'm, I'm right there with you in moments. I Like I said, I I, I I can be very hypocritical where I'm like, be different and be optimistic and believe they're going to win. But then, you know, every part of me also feels like, well, maybe they're just cursed and curses are real. And there's the supernatural that you can't control. And, you know, there's something uh, that the city of Toronto has done that we are not aware of that is this is the curse. This is something that we're we're paying for something that our forefathers did, our foreparents. So. Alec Manoa was like, hey, Leafs lost? Consolation prize? Alec Manoa doing what Alec Manoa does and having him and his mom basically as a shared viewing experience that was one of the most enjoyable things that I've watched all pandemic. Like, honestly, where, where would you rank that game just in terms of things that you have enjoyed watching for over the last year? Oh, boy. 
uh, near the top. I did enjoy watching George Springer hit a couple home runs. Remember, he did play for this. Yeah, team. yeah, no, I did. I, <laughs> what a. Um, yeah, I, I'd have to go back and, and rack my brain for that one. But from a local team perspective, boy, top five for sure. Dude, I love. I love there's a real strong case. Like, if we're looking at the last year for me, it's like the Edmonton sweep and yeah. holding McDavid to no points. Yeah, was yeah. so great and getting to really feel like the Leafs were the dominant team in that division. But out, just as a singular moment, a singular game, Manoa and the mom cam, like I'm going to remember that forever. Like that's us. Yeah. Like I, I'm going to remember that game forever. All of the beats of it. I I love a good origin story. Yeah, I, know, I, I do these weird things where back in the day when I used to buy books because I had an idea that I could find the time to read them yeah. I, w- I would like I would read the first sentence and then I go to the end and read the like last that is paragraph. a psychotic thing yeah like I, I'm a I, psycho I, I, listen that is I'm a psycho. unhealthy you are unwell <laughs> but I, I don't know what I, 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 I the the start of things, the genesis of things, I don't know, it gets to me for some reason. You read, I go it back was to the my... best of times. It was the worst of times. End of book. Like, that's yeah, where... yeah. <laughs> okay. And then I let my brain yeah. figure out what happened right, in the middle. Yeah. And I don't even need right. to read the book. You don't even need... If you read the first paragraph and the last paragraph, the rest of it's Got just it. garbage anyways. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, I just love a good origin story. And I go back into my own career and I think about times that have been pressure-packed and making my debut on Sportsnet Central or whatever the hell it was called, connected at the time, and like the nervousness and the idea that if I could just get through the first couple of seconds, the first couple of minutes, first block, I get that. like I would I'd be all right. Like I just need to get that moment where everything, so much of your career culminating to this one specific moment and here you are in that moment I don't know. There's just something about that. That's why I really enjoy talking to his AAA manager yesterday about the the moment that he told him he was going to the major leagues. I just I love that stuff. I have never been more nervous watching that first at bat with his the mother walk. literally in tears, like it was flowing out of her head uncontrollably before he threw a pitch and then it looks like oh this is too much for him like the the unflappable six foot six Alec Manoa he can't do this like and who could blame him so much is built up to this moment and here's a guy who's maybe not pinpoint control but fastball in the zone he should be able to do some of those pitches to DJ LeMahieu were not close and I, I, I was like I can't am I gonna be able to watch this Mm-hmm. I, I, my heart was in my throat. And then, gift of all gifts, that first pitch mm-hmm. to Rugnet Odor. Yeah. Which was, I don't know, three, four, five inches outside, called a strike. I'll never and acknowledge that, but sure. <laughs> that's all it took. And then from that moment on, it was exactly what I said. Like, if you could just get through that, if you could just mm-hmm. throw that first strike. And he was, like you said, everything you could have asked for and more. He was unfreaking believable Did he hang a slider to Aaron Judge with the chance to tie the game? Maybe. But he got away with it. He was incredible. I, I know that somebody put up a stat of how that's the first Blue Jay to have a debut where they go six innings with no runs against since, like, the 80s. A pitcher I'd never heard of before that I'm sure you have. I, I think Susan Sussler had a tweet about it. Oh, I thought you – yeah, okay. I didn't see that one. I I can't imagine anybody ever having a, deb, a debut that that 
astonishing for the Blue Jays. Like, that's the best start in Blue Jays history. I know we live in an era where everything's always the best or everything's always the worst, and we just live in a moment and we never forget anything before us, but, like, how could anyone have had done anything better than that or more memorable than that? You're right. The mom component of seeing her and just how... <laughs> that, I, I'm sorry to do this, but it's just... I, I really did get emotional thinking about my own mom and how supportive she's been of me. And like, I called my mom and she was volunteering at a vaccine clinic at a pop-up, right? Like helping people get shots. And as I'm on the phone with her, they inform her that because like they don't want to run it, like they, they didn't get enough vaccines. So she was going to get her second dose. She gets her second dose and she's all excited. And I can hear her on the phone. And um, yeah, there was just a moment of like, yeah, you just, you never get a supporter like your mom. You know, you just don't. And that was so special to see like his mom there rooting him on and just being so authentic, like none of it forced, none of it fake, all of it. Did you watch her in the pregame? Like, yeah. and like their relationship. And you know, she's so, she's so real that she admits that she took the call from him that he's going to the majors while she's on the toilet. Like, you know, like it's, <laughs> I love them. Like, I just, I'm so invested in this duo. And he goes out there and he just kicks ass, man. And like, you can say that he hung one slider. Guess what? The slider overall during the day was just Great. disgusting. Manoa was amazing. He was all that was advertised. And then already, and this is why, dude, this is why I think this guy is so special. He just fits in right away. There's a moment where you see because they don't go to commercial in the first break and they show and you can tell he's nervous and because who wouldn't be, right? And you see a little bit of different energy and you almost, like for me anyways, watching it as an outsider, I'm thinking, why are guys not gassing him up a little bit more, like giving him a little bit more of a pat? Why is Pete Walker not giving him a word of encouragement? Why is Randall Gritchup just walking by him? Like all these little microcosms that I'm looking at. And he steps out there, he looks a little nervous. But then by the end of the start, you can just tell that that guy's already one of the team. Everybody on that baseball team, every Blue Jay knows that guy is a stud, and he's just going to fit in. He's just going to be one of the guys now. There's not going to be a rookie acclimation process or being weird or he's nervous or he's not. Uh -uh. That guy's cool. He has swagger. He knows himself, and he goes out there and he pitches big. So, uh, yeah, I... <sighs> There's a reason why we bought so much stock in this guy, and to see him yeah. pay it off that way against the Yankees was a, a very, 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 very special Toronto sports moment. And we, we only had a small sample of what he looked like. The mannerisms of him on the mound yeah. and the stalking around the mound and the staring yeah. in at home plate with little beardless Rugi Odor who's swinging a, I don't know, yeah. a noodle. Like he's yeah. like, I'm holding on to my major league career. And he's like, I'll just hit that bat right out of your hand here with this 95. That's the other thing, too. He doesn't throw 99. Mm -hmm. he, he doesn't have pinpoint control, but he was mixing his pitches to an incredible no, yeah. degree. No, dude, that's I, a, that's I, a I starting pitcher. That's a starting pitcher. You know, like, that's just a guy yes. that, yeah. My, my understanding of him was that it was going to be fastball slider. Fastball slider, mm -hmm. change-ups of work in progress, though. Fastball mm -hmm. slider, and he talked to us when he joined the show about, hey, I, I also throw a two-seamer. Like, I throw a sinker mm -hmm. that people are sleeping on. Threw the, the, the sinker 19 times. Only threw the four-seamer 30 of his 88 mm -hmm. pitches. It was just, you had no idea what was coming. Just ask Aaron Judge in that first at-bat who goes mm -hmm. down to a knee and then tries to mm. hit the ball out of Reese McGuire's glove. He's like, give it, mm. can I have the, give me the ball back. It's in you. No, let me hit it. <laughs> when he put Judge down on that knee, I was like, I, I was alone and I, I, I yelled.
Oh, like I yeah. yelled at it. I yelled, sit down in my living room. <laughs> and then I just got like way too excited and then watched him strike out. That was awesome. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, even talking about Manoa, this is the therapy I needed afterwards mm-hmm. after the Leafs discussion because, yeah, Alec Manoa is, is like a guy you, – you don't have to dream on it anymore. It's like it's a no. thing. That, yep. that guy might be a very, 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 very special Blue Jay. Yep. And, again, he got the first step out of the way. He can move on mm-hmm. now. All right, hopefully the Toronto Maple Leafs can move on after tomorrow's game. Maybe there's some we symmetry. Have- Manoa wore six, and he was great. And that was a harbinger of things to come, that the Leafs would win in six. That oh. six is the one. The six, sure. the six in six. You know, there's some, this, what was that movie, number 23? That's what I'm doing now. The, with Jim yes. Carrey, the conspiracy movie where everything was yes. number 23. This, the, <laughs> was it 23? I don't Yeah, everybody that. saw that because Jim Carrey was big at the time. But that movie, oh, big time what sucked. Atrocious uh, <laughs> what an atrocious <laughs> premise. They really let some guys get some oh. really awful greenlight Woo! projects. But either way, now I'm doing, that's it, the number six. Mm. Anoa, like the city, the Leafs. Yeah. Austin Why Matthews not? scoring six goals in a close-up game six. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can see it. All right. It. Talk to our friend David Amber of Hockey Night in Canada. Next, it is Good Show, Ben Ennis, J.D. Bunkus, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. You know, someone just DM'd me on Instagram with a good one when it comes to best uh, performances by a Blue Jay in their debut. This is a sneaky one. And it was against the Orioles, but Jesse Litch. Yeah, no, that was, I think, the the, the previous best. Didn't he go yeah. the route in that game? Or no, he, you know, he went into the ninth two thirds. Yeah, yes. he almost got, he just, like, stranded at eight and two-thirds. But, yeah, four mm. hits, only one earned run, three walks, only one strikeout. <laughs> Imagine that today. That would be the story of the game is yeah. guy went eight innings and only got one strikeout. How? In what yep. world would that ever happen again? Never. Ever, no. ever. Uh, again, a, a raised bat boy turned major league pitcher. Yeah. Jesse Litch had his yeah. moment, and then injuries kind of derailed his career. He was trying to teach people knuckleballs, I think, in like yeah. Japan at the yeah. last check. He's still no, we talked to him a couple of times. I think he was even working as an ambassador with the Blue Jays for a little while. No. Yeah, yeah. we should check in on Jesse Litch again. We anyway, should. Back to hockey. All right. Uh, let's talk to David Amber, our pal of Hockey Night in Canada. What's going on, David? Hey, how you guys doing? doing mm, I don't like the tone of that. You're like, you're assuming bad. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? By the way, let's get some perspective here. You, your mom got her second dose. I listened to you yeah. guys for the last yeah. half hour. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, God's perspective. That's what matters. I know the doom and gloom of the sports uh, world gets everyone down, especially especially you, JD. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, there's some perspective for you. Everything's good. Oh, yeah. Listen, if I'll, if you could tell me my mom was going to get a second dose and all it was going to cost was a Leafs loss yesterday, I would have said, hey, mom, sorry, you got to wait for your second dose. But get it with the rest of us, you know, August. No. <laughs> You'll get it soon. We're not running out. Uh, it's going to happen. No, uh, I'm strangely optimistic, man. I, I like, of course, there's nerves, right? Of course, there's just you play out these fears and anxieties, and I, I totally understand why Leaf fans do it because this isn't Boston, you know? This isn't a place where people are like, oh, yeah, things are going to be fine. Don't worry about it. They were better. We're rational here. I get it, I get it, I get it, but I just I have to look at the series and all of the information we have gotten says the Leafs are better, and if they just learn from that game, which is start on time and and maybe clean up a couple of mistakes, they're walking out of the Bell Center in a six-game series win. Do you, do you agree? 
Yeah, yeah. I, I think if the Leafs play their best game, and even if Montreal plays its best game, the, the Leafs will win the game. I mean, as you said, the body of work throughout this entire season says that. I mean, the Leafs finished first for a reason. You know, Montreal finished 18th in the National Hockey League, right? They're not a juggernaut by any uh, stretch of the imagination. They are a good team, and I'm not taking away from them, but I'd like to think if the Leafs play their best game that they're the better team and they would win They would win this series. Uh, but they have to do that. I mean, it's not going to be handed to them, and the elimination game has been sort of you know, a problem for this team over the course of the last four years when they've had a chance to, to effectively move on. They haven't been able to step their game up and be that team that, that dictates the pace, dictates the action. You know, scoring first would be a, a pretty pivotal thing and give them a bit of confidence to play with the lead and have Montreal chase them instead of trying to track down Montreal. Uh, yeah, I, listen, I, I'm not I'm not panicked for the Leafs. I would say, they, you know, this is that hurdle they need to get over, and, and we'll see what they can bring on Saturday night. So I would uh, respectfully disagree with the notion that the Montreal Canadiens are a good team. This is not a good team. They're like, hey, are they a But I did like that Amber, that, this is the, like, third C.J. Juggernaut reference of the week yeah. by a guest, <laughs> and so it's like, that's a nice way <laughs> to go on a Friday, you know? like. <laughs> But yeah, this Leafs team was so much better than this team during the regular season. They've at times looked full value for that during this playoff series. And here we are going to a six game. And to you, I would pose like, are you legitimized if you're one of those Leaf fans? I think JD's doing a good job of not being this person. But it really, I had the tweet after game one that it, it's just, it feels like an organization that's cursed from top to bottom from something <laughs> supernatural. Are you faulting any Leaf fan who sees the series even going six games and says, well, that, that shouldn't be the case. There's just no way it should even be going six games that the ghosts have to be involved here. When did JD become the voice of reason on this show? Ben, what's going always, on here? Always. Uh, always. I, listen, all I, all I could say to that is look at the other series, right? Uh, you know, Na- Nashville – People thought they were going to get swept. They lost the first two games to Carolina in fairly convincing fashion. And the next four games needed overtime. I got home after the Leaf game last night, and I watched, uh, you know, the second, third, and overtime of that game. And, and Nashville, granted, Carolina's the better team. But this is what professional sports is, a set, certainly in a salary cap year in the National Hockey League, right? The, the notion that Toronto was going to go and just sweep away Montreal or just have their way with them, I, I never bought into that. I, I thought, again, I think Toronto's the better team. I think ultimately they'll win this series, but it was never going to be easy, Ben. I mean, I, I just think the teams are so evenly matched throughout the league. It's just never going to be a cakewalk. And, and I know Colorado had its way with St. Louis. St. Louis was missing half its team, essentially. It's leading yeah. score, half its blue line. I mean, there are circumstances there. In Colorado, if you're going to throw the J word around juggernaut, they're the juggernaut in the National Hockey League. The Leafs are a good team. Montreal, when it, when it plays its best game, is, is still a quality hockey team, and, and they're evenly matched to a certain degree. And here's the other, here's the other part of it. It's not to lay blame on on one or two guys but at this point matthews and, and marner have combined for one goal right we're five games into it uh marner has missed a ton of glorious chances elliot friedman pointed out in our pregame show that austin matthews shooting percentage i think is at three percent in this series he's a 16 17 percent shooter you know there's certain things that are 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 causing the Leafs to struggle a little bit. You can't call on Galchenyuk and Kerfoot and even Nylander to be leading this team. Your best players have to be your best players. 
And and I liked Austin Matthews' comments post game where he's like, "No, this is an exciting challenge for us. This is an exciting situation for us to be in." He wasn't saying doom and gloom. Oh no, here we go again. He was saying, you know, we got to keep sort of a, a level of optimism. And again, I think that was key to what Kyle Dubas was thinking when he brought in Joe Thornton, you know, having Jason Spezza there, when he brought in Wayne Simmons, you want to have a team that feels a certain sense of confidence and resiliency. Um, you know, Zach Bogosian won a cup last year. Bringing him in is also something that should be credited. So I think the mood of this team is where it should be. I think the psyche of this team is where it should be. And now they just have to go out on Saturday and they've got to perform. And if they do, you know, the narrative will be very different Monday morning when you guys take to the air. It'll be about, ooh, the Jets and what a great series for the Leafs. And I think that's that potentially is where we'll be heading. Yeah. And I, I think that's the right way to be feeling about it heading into a game six. The question is what it'll actually be like if it's heading into a game seven and, and whether they're going to be able to maintain <laughs> that optimism. And whether they, yeah, like that, that, that's got to be, you know, it's cool to be all confident now and, hey, we played better and 3% shooting percentage and all of a sudden that can flip yeah. into, well, now it's 2% shooting percentage. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, so I, I, I just, I, you can see that path. So um, yeah. I, I guess, you know, you, I think you just outlined this pretty well, though, in the sense of like we were saying, to me, the biggest story moving forward is just going to be well I guess Toronto's was resilience can be one but it's going to be goaltending right whether it's Carey Price can steal it which is always the sign of one team being much better than the other which again is an encouraging reason if you're a Leafs fan if you're doing the thing of can Carey Price steal two games yes he can but he still does have to steal two games it would be uh, my feeling anyways and that Jack Campbell would have to be bad if you're looking at and, and you don't even have to agree that that is the number one storyline I guess if you if you want but if there's a second one so far if there's a second path for you of what you think that is going to determine game six what do you think it's going to be yeah I mean I think you hit it on the head goaltending obviously you know it's, it's paramount we saw that in the Nashville series too I mean UC Soros was absolutely spectacular i mean i couldn't believe how good he was playing uh or how well he was playing uh my mom taught english if she's listening i'll be in trouble um the second the second storyline maybe is special teams uh, and i hate to be joe basic about it but but quite frankly i mean montreal's power play has been absolutely abysmal imagine if they just could connect on 15 percent. you know if they could just have a regular power play percentage uh it could change the complexion of this series and quite frankly the leafs power play hasn't been much better uh and they've also given up a, a game-winning shorthanded goal i'd like to think if one if, if either team can get its power play where it should be productive and consistent and and a momentum changer in a game uh that that could very well be key something else we touched on guys and i'm not saying the whole series is coming down to this but you know, Montreal forward group just is nowhere close to Toronto's forward group. Mm-hmm. They need to essentially attack as a five-man unit, right? And they get a lot of what well, they get on line rushes. Uh, and, and I'm not quite sure what's going on, but I'm not seeing the Jeff Petrie I saw from the beginning of the year where, you know, he was being touted in the first, you know, six, seven, eight weeks as a Norris candidate and finished third in scoring for defensemen. I'm not seeing that guy at all. Shea Weber, we know that, you know, I'm sure he's still laboring with his thumb and everything else. So Shea Weber isn't going to be maybe as, as part of the offense as, as he would like to be. Um, but they need something from their from their back end. Um, again, I'm talking about Montreal. You might be asked me from a Leafs perspective what's going to be the difference maker. But those are the things that would concern me. If Montreal's power play gets going, if their defense can find a way to be part of the offensive attack and produce something 
then then I would have some concern for the Leafs. Those are two storylines that I think we're going to have to keep an eye on for Game 6. I don't think that's basic. I think that's correct. Like, to me, it's that, and then it's if Deneau can continue to shadow Matthews and keep yeah. him off the score sheet because, right. yeah, I just feel as though if Toronto... Like, the way you feel about Montreal's power play, I think a lot of us do, and I also feel like if Matthews can just score a goal that mm. it just changes the complete dynamic of this hockey team and it's back to, okay, well, we have... Because they've been dominant, right? But there is something to be said for when you're dominant, dominant, dominant and just still can't score. And yeah, they got the one where Marner throws it into the middle of the ice and I don't, I still don't know who got credited for that goal. I, I guess Matthews like only had two shots in that game yesterday, yeah, right? But, and he's got a ton in the series. I get it. He has eight yeah, more than anybody quiet. else in it. But yeah. It, 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 yeah, it's like it's diminishing as the series goes along a little bit here. He was quiet, and, and he's going to have to be the Rocket Richard Austin Matthews on Saturday. doesn't mean he's got to go out and score a hat-trick, but I think he's got to, when he's on the ice, it has to be like, wow, the Leafs are pressing, they're on attack mode, Carey Price is having to work. And give Price some credit, I, and I know I'm sure he'll, he'll get a ton of credit over the course of the day. Yes, he allowed three goals, and yes, you know, the, the third one, you know, the, the five-hole goal was nothing to get too excited about from his perspective. But, um, you know, Kelly Rudy pointed this out. It was a one, it was a zero zero game. He made a huge save. Montreal goes down, takes a one, nothing lead. It was a one, nothing game. He makes another huge save. Montreal goes down and takes a two, nothing lead. Like the complexion of the game could have been very different. He made in the first, you know, 15 minutes, the first 10 minutes of that game, he made a couple of really like, wow, saves. And, and that's what you ask your goalie to do. And, you know, Austin Matthews has to have his wow moment. I think, and again, this isn't all incumbent on him because he's not a one-man team, but he is a difference maker. He is that guy who can take over a game. And I think if you're the Leafs, you're hoping 34 can have some of that on Saturday and help take over this game effectively. Because Montreal doesn't have an answer. Tyler DeFoley had a great year, but he's not Austin Matthews. There aren't a bunch of Austin Matthews there in, in the league. So if he can effectively be the guy we saw all year, that bodes really well for the Leafs. All right, spin zone time. All three of us, Rogers employees, um, we get an extra game. On Stock Sparks price, now. baby. Yeah, we get an extra game. <laughs> I love how my dumb brain believes that. They're like, it's no, like oh, know, yeah, right. there's stock price. <laughs> no. everybody, yeah, yeah, no, it's yeah. not like that, you know, the media department is like one <laughs> one hundredth no. of the cell phone department. No. But whatever, yeah. whatever. It's not, yeah. it's not bad, okay? I don't mm-hmm. know. Ten million people are going to watch on Saturday this game six. David, I just finished in the previous block, which you were listening, I suppose, uh, comparing this game to the moon landing. Imagine you were able to be on the moon for the moon landing in 1969. You would, like, there's no price? You, you, that's too much for that. I think two grand is a steal to be in the building for Saturday. Am I overstating it? Like, what is your feeling going into this thing? Oh, my God. Um, yeah, I think, I don't even know... Yeah, I think it's hard to put a price tag on. It's not just because it's not just because uh, it's the Leafs, Habs, Stanley Cup playoffs, Saturday night, game six, elimination game. It's not just all of that. It's that we haven't been able to do anything fun for over a year at all. It's funny, uh, Ed Hall, one of our, one of our senior execs, uh, he's uh, celebrating 20 years at the network. I shot him a, a congratulatory note, and he and – he, Shot back, yeah, it's been you know great hanging out along the days, and I and then I sent him a picture from the Stanley Cup final of us at the U2 concert, uh, you know Ed and, and Brian Spear, another one of our producers, and me, uh, and a few other of us were at a at a U2 concert back. It was in Pittsburgh in 2017, I believe it was, 
And I just, I said it. And we're into this concert with 50,000 people. And I was like, this is so foreign. Picture being shoulder to shoulder with 50,000 other people. So, you know, and I just was like, wow, this was a lifetime ago, essentially, because it was. We're pre-pandemic. And that's, and that's part of the equation. The idea, I don't know what I would pay right now to be able to jump on a plane and go visit friends and go do something fun. Mm-hmm. You know, or in this case, go down to the Bell Center and watch, you know, a Stanley Cup playoff game. You guys have been seeing the crowds in Nashville and Carolina and Long Island. I mean, it looks like so much fun. So I don't even know if you could put a price tag on it. It's just... It's, it's having something in your life that you're really excited about and to be able to participate and have that communal feeling. That's what we miss in sports. And Twitter brings us a bit of that, and watching it brings us a bit of it on TV, but it's different to be right there in person and, and you know, high, well, I don't know if you high-five anymore, but <laughs> elbow-banging you with the guy beside you uh, when your team scores. So I, it's, it's priceless. High fives better come back. I want high fives. Like I've been high fiving. Like, listen, I, I, this is an, an admission I'm willing to make now that I have my first vaccine and I know about the the transferring <laughs> on surfaces being limited. Yeah. I've been high fiving. Okay. Yeah. All right? High fives. High fives are coming back. High fives. I'm are gonna be back. slow with it. I'll, I'll high five yeah. and be wearing latex gloves though. I guess I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I'll high five yeah. your hand condom. That's fine. so it's gonna be fun you're you're right guys bottom line is this it it, it, a layer of stress has been added to leafs nation we get that Uh, a layer of excitement has been added to our saturday night uh it's going to be sensational and i expect an even better game um me too you know i I think it's going to be the the, the the you know the the amount of storylines attached to this now have just been elevated. The amount of pressure you know has the pendulum swung. All the pressure was on Montreal, and as you guys are stating right now, maybe there's a concernable amount of pressure on the Leafs to not bring this back to a game seven because we know that the recent history of game sevens doesn't bode well. So I can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun Saturday night, and we have a game seven tonight as well, nine o'clock. Yeah. So uh, that'll right. set the table. I'm looking forward to that as well. Yep, we'll be watching, David. Uh, thanks, buddy. Talk soon. Anytime, guys. Have a great weekend. You too, man. You too. David Amber, Hockey Night in Canada. I raw dog it with the high fives. I don't care. <laughs> okay. This is getting a little too explicit. Uh, <laughs> I'm uncomfortable now. <laughs> that was that was too much. Uh, uh, oh, God, why? <laughs> this is my only I, – I, I'm not going to uh, – I'm so happy there are people in the building, but – I already had the thought of would I, you know, max out. So there would be some things that would make you really emotional, like being in that building and getting opportunity to do it. Of course you do it. Of course you do. Of course you do it. But I I think part of what makes being in a crowd so special and going to a game so special is that it is, you know, a lot of people and that it's not sparsely spread out and that the environment walking in is people like interacting with one another. My favorite memories in terms of going to hockey games have been going to watch the Senators play in Canada and being on a packed bus with Leaf and Sens fans sending barbs at one another for a 45-minute bus ride, you know? And getting to the arena and outside and having that buzz, you know, that something was happening. Being in the rink, talking trash, making friends with somebody in your section that you're now a high-five guy with and then there's someone else that you're talking trash with, but it's fun and it's friendly, you know, like... That, that's the, what I miss more than anything. Like going to the Bell Center and, 
you know, having an export and having some guys in Habs jerseys up in the rafters with you being like, we're season ticket holders for forever. And we always see those seats filled with Leaf losers like you that watch come here all the time, pay three times the price and get shelled. You know, I, I don't know how I'd feel once I was in the mix of the game and there wasn't that. Now, you know, you have to look down and it's five aisles away and it's somebody in a mask. Smart of you to justify not plunking down two grand like that's smart this is smart smart job well done that being said you know you pay that two grand and you're there and the Leafs win and I, I think I, you know if you're, if you're not crying then you didn't deserve to be there that's right man I cried tears watching... is the price of you know it's like you got to revoke the experience oh yeah no they had they give you one of those GoPros that's aimed right at your yeah. face uh, yeah. yeah you get to keep sitting there if you're crying quite a scene the likes of which yeah, the song has never been more appropriate <laughs> never seen uh at least in uh, almost a year and a half let's talk to our pal on a friday colby armstrong former nhl forward current sportsnet analyst all-around good guy what's going on colby what a great tune uh boys how's it going and isn't that appropriate uh really considering saturday night the main lyric and tomorrow is Saturday and there's going to be fans at the game in Montreal and it's just a massive game. It's just unbelievable how it comes together, isn't it? That's why they pay the big bucks. Is like you connect the dots nobody else can, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like that guy in Mind Hunters. I'm like yeah. a guy in the show Mind Hunters and I have like the tacks in the board and I have red strings, I have blue strings, oh, yeah. I have green. Yeah. 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 That's you love why. it. That's why, boys. So, if you're a Leafs player, you're in that dressing room, they lose that game that way, all of a sudden you're going into game six, heading to Montreal, Carey Price is hot, how you feeling? Well, like, I think that was, like, that was a pretty good comeback, no? Like, it's mm-hmm. got to feel okay in that regard. Like, I think in the playoffs, it's such a different mindset. Like, you kind of just have to forget about, you know, the bad stuff, and you kind of focus on you know, the good stuff. And obviously desperation levels have to be a lot different to start for, for the Leafs. And I think that's would be our focus is like, Hey, let's, let's be more desperate early here. Um, you know, we can't let them spring out to a lead, like, like what happened last game. And then we have to fight our way back into this. So did we deserve to win almost, but probably not. And we need to be better next game at, at, at closing it out. That's all. That's I think that's the mindset I'd be saying if I was in the room. I think that's what the Leafs are saying as well. Yeah, got to have a short memory. Um, I guess it's not going to apply to Rasmus Sandin because everybody seems to be under the impression with how wow. limited he was after the second brutal turnover, which was probably worse than the first because I, I think Andy <laughs> did a good job of pointing out that, hey, Joe Thornton's got to tell him, uh, you got to chip it off the the boards there and and not give up the puck. But then all alone behind his net, giving up the puck on that second goal and only plays six eleven in the whole hockey game. Travis Dermott's been good all season long and was good in this playoff series. That he's probably coming up. Like, what's the message for that kid who has a huge future with this organization? Just a horrific game for him. Yeah, and I think that's that's just learning and. And, you know, I think a lot of people are excited about him, right? Like you said, a big future. A lot of people are excited, and you put him in these pressure-packed situations, and you, you know, and, and, 
you know, I think this is why you see some guys that need to marinate a little bit in the minors or, or you know, be brought along a little bit slower or, or put in the proper positions. And, you know, he's thrown into a fire in a, in a big series, um, you know, in big, big game situations here in the playoffs where all eyes are on. And there's just like the pressure is different and, and everything's just kind of ramped up. And, you know, to learn to deal with that and make decisions under that kind of pressure and how to work through it is something that I guess we see how, you know, people learn on the fly. And, um, you know, I'm ex- I think he, obviously I think everyone does think he's headsy player. He can skate, he can move. Uh, he's smart. He's going to be, he's going to be a good player in this league. It's just, you know, in certain situations, he's been stung for sure. And that's where we see reflected in his ice time, uh, reflected in situational play with him. And, you know, that's just part of part of the package of, of a, of a young player or, certain young players anyways that, that get put in those situations right guys like i think you can go around the league and look at like a lot of people i mean i'll even compare to tristan jari here like jari got you know destroyed he's been destroyed by um you know his play in the playoffs and you know you know the, the write-ups on him the articles i had jd texting me i was like what's going on i mean it was everything was happening uh, no yeah everything <laughs> everything was guts. happening with tristan jari and it's still yeah. happening for him and you got to think of this is a guy that spent a lot of time in the minors yeah, yeah. Uh, he had to wait his turn and there. matt murray kind of came in there and bumped into him <laughs> and He's put his first time as a starting goaltender, 26 years old, his first time in a playoff position as the main guy. And, you know, we see how people react. We see how people can deal with certain things. And, you know, sometimes you just have to go through it to deal with it. So I had money on the pens, so that was number one. While well, I was I'd joke, imagine but, you did. I, I imagine I sure, you did. I sure did. That's why you got those. I sure did, Buckaroo. That's why you got those text messages. But you know what else? Okay, this is just. I'm going on a side right here because I'm really pissed off at Tristan Jari. I like I said, man. I went into this postseason and I watched Game One of Sid. Where he tips that goal in, where it's just like he's st- like it's just one of those ones where the it's just only Sid. Where, yeah, it's just a one hand tip, and it's just he's just a hockey genius. And I didn't watch U.S. hockey like all year, right? Because it's North Division, North Division, North Division. It just, we pounded it to death, and it, it just it was hard to justify how you could watch some of these games on some nights. I watched a little, but I really had this feeling of man, you didn't watch enough Sidney Crosby this year, and. He's only got so many years left where he's going to be Sid, you know, and that I only got to watch six games of him and I got to watch him with that team and Tristan Jari and that cost me watching Sidney Crosby in big games and now I got to watch more Islanders who are the worst, like I poison Islanders <laughs> games. I, I've i never, like honestly, I, I have zero, uh, uh, it's me and Dave Damshek seem to be the angriest guys with what happened. I was triggered capital T triggered at the Penguins losing and not giving me a game seven Sidney Crosby everything like it was just bad and yeah I'm sorry but I I care about the game's best players and Sidney Crosby still is the best player of my lifetime and Connor McDavid might get there when the resume is completely full he's maybe the like most talented but yeah not getting to see this Sidney Crosby when I know that we're a year or two away from you know the drop-off that we see with everybody that hurt that stung yeah, and yeah, you're yeah, you're right, and and especially when you know they go and get Carter and they make their team so much deeper, and you know we're poised as just as hockey fans to see another Penguins decent run. They run up against Barry Trotz's Islanders team that seems to be this, 
emotionless kind of like robotic team. I guess that's how I could describe it, talking in my robot voice. But that's how they, uh, you know, that's how they play. They're like the same every game and, and have ability to, you know, hang around. And they did that. The Pens were unable to separate in the score. They had chances. They carried a lot of game play. They carried a lot of chances. But, you know, the Islanders do what the Islanders do. And, uh, you know, the, the, the Crosby, Malkin, Latang core group of the Penguins conversation now begins for Ron Hextall and Brian Burke and the decisions that they have to make going forward because Latang and Malkin now with one year left on their deal mm-hmm. um, and, and kind of what you're looking at, the identity and makeup and, mm-hmm. you know, forward steps of this team. And, hey, uh, you know, to just to talk, like, they go and get Carter at the deadline and then they have, you know, also two guys in net into Smith and Jari where it would have been nice, I think, personally, to add in a more experienced goaltender or just a guy to have just in case, right? And, you know, you know, looking now, it's it's maybe a move that possibly should have been made, although Jari was okay during the regular season. But you're right, man. It's great to see playoff Crosby. It always is, and the heroics that he did. Like the one-handed tip, he did save a goal off of Brock Nelson yeah. on a one-handed defensive diving play as well at yeah. the other end. He kind of does, does it all over the ice. Just a guy's game that you can truly appreciate. But here we are with the Islanders moving on and we'll yeah, play the Bruins. I think that'll be a good series too. But, yeah, yeah I know what you're I, – I, I know I no, can't wait saying, to watch buddy. more Kyle Palmieri over Sid. Like, yeah, that's what we all came to see. That's going to be well, great. Kyle Palmieri more. I was like, let's <laughs> – <laughs> well, this could be the same question with like Habs Leafs too, right? Like, I mean, oh. it's it really is. And didn't we talk about this before, guys? We talked about like kind of the pressure and like mm-hmm. <laughs> what the series could look like, kind of uh, how things could tighten up and look differently in Montreal wins Game One, and how kind of the you know the the teeter totter could swing one side and bounce back to the other, and what it could look mm-hmm. like. So it's interesting how it's kind of panning out here and. And now, and now we get to. I, I, I read some things on social media, guys, of it not being fair that Montreal is allowed to have some fans. Oh, anybody in a who game. says that can shut up. Like, honestly, yeah, well, it is like, not fair in this me? respect that we should yeah. be doing it here as well. Like, yeah, no, like, and it, yeah. Uh, if you are being a crybaby, oh, oh my God, that's the most cringeworthy thing ever. If you name cry, names, who was it? Someone if you know, you or cry, you just saw an I don't egg, remember. No, if I, oh my if I God. could remember, I would name the names. I don't know who. I forget who said it about like. No. I guess a real person like a said that. Two, seven, a competitive five, advantage. No, 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 no. I'm just hitting the cringe button so hard right now. Just cringing, cringe, cringe, cringe. No, no, no. This is so bad. Uh, hey, guess what, oh. Leafs fans? If you're gonna drop a list of excuses for why if they somehow lost the series, cool. Like everybody's gonna do it, even if you don't want to do it because it's kind of poor sport. I'm just gonna eat it. Like if the Leafs lose this series, I'm just gonna stand there and take all the barbs from every Canadian's fans because you deserve it and I'm an idiot and all the things, right? I don't care. And then they should throw a parade for the 2,500 fans that were at that game. They should throw a parade. (laughs) What are we talking about? 2,500 fans of like 100. I will say this. I was hoping Montreal would win so that I could see this. Yeah. I was kind of going, like, get into the game because – (laughs) <laughs> well, don't you want to? Like, I thought it was going to be awesome. No. Like this yeah. whole series, 
you know, is kind of left to be, you know, I think thought about as, oh, man, it's too bad we can't have fans. Oh, man, it's too bad Maple Leaf Square cannot be filled with crazy, rabid Leaf fans. Oh, man, you know, like this is what this series has been, I think. So now we get into a game and everything was riding on this Montreal win that Toronto battled back to take it to overtime uh, for them to win in overtime to get 2,500 fans at the Bell Centre, which I think to see now is going to be awesome. I think it's going to be awesome. And I think it can work in, in effect for both teams. Having fans for once at the game in a really long time for both these teams can be a big boost for both of them. Bro, uh, one Hab fan in the Bell Center is worth 10 of any other fan in any other arena. So yeah. it's going to feel bigger than 2,500, I would guess. Um, I am happy for Habs fans and Leafs fans that get to go to that game now. Anybody who gets to go to that game, I'm happy for people who get to see the people there, whatever. But I realized when I started doing that, because I did that spin zone too when the Leafs lost, and I already said this <laughs> off the top of the show, but then I immediately reeled it back and was like, no, man, I have been a Leafs fan my whole life. I haven't seen a playoff series win in 17 years. I didn't need to see 2,500 people in a building. I don't care. Like, I, I just wanted them to win <laughs> yeah. that game. Like, uh, yeah, I don't care. I wasn't like you being like, yeah, it's, at least it's, it's so fun that we could have these fans in there. Like, no, I don't care. Screw those people that get to go. You know, I'm not going. Like, I don't care. I'm choked. I'm triggered about it. Okay, now we're on a roll of me being mad now we're here Merrick was on the other day he said that this show is like therapy for me sometimes and this is the truth and yeah i ranted about sid now i'm ranting about game six and now i'm gonna go with the thing that i've been holding back all day and blah 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 dude i, I think sheldon keith is a great coach i think that the leafs are the better team in the series and they should already have put this thing away and if Tavares doesn't get hurt maybe he is playing more minutes or whatever and i get the part of this argument is going to be it's harder to find Nylander ice time when you have to play him with Galchenyuk and Kerfoot, who have been good, but they're not great players. And, you know, okay, whatever. William Nylander not playing on power play one right now is aggressively is aggressive ignorance. Like, I do not understand it whatsoever. He's been the Leafs' best player in this series, without a doubt. William Nylander is buzzing every single shift. And for him to not play 17 minutes because, like, I guess he got it because of overtime, not playing 17 minutes when they're trailing in a hockey game, I, like, if that's Mike Babcock, everybody in the city is losing their minds. And for whatever reason, this is like the pass of all passes that in a city where we have seen star players sat in big moments, we're watching William Nylander have an absolute breakout going on a tear, ripping pucks by Carey Price all series long. Guy can't get 20 minutes. Do not understand. Guy can't get on a power play unit that has stunk and can't buy a goal unless Rasmus Sandin gets one. I, I, like, I, don't, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I don't know what the hell is going on here. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I know. And I think that's just like, I mean, if you talk to the players on the team, I think, and I don't think it's, you know, held against, you know, anything. It's a game-by-game -game basis, right? And if guys are going to, like, I know you've got your horses and I know you know what you can get out of them and, you know, but like you've got to you've got to have a feel for the game, especially like Nylander's. You know, he's he's an elite guy. Like he's a point producer guy. That's what he's supposed to do. And when he's feeling it, though, mm -hmm. um, I think you've got to find the feel of the game and go. Okay, I've got to find a way to you know get this guy in there a little more. I've got to find a way to get this guy, you know, pushing our team a little bit more. And if that takes someone else that has to sit back, that isn't isn't where his game is at to win the game. Um, that's what has to happen right now. And, and, 
you know, you see star players that have to get their 20 minutes, okay, and regular season, and that's where it's at, and this is our team. But I think it has to come down to also a little bit of feel when you're dealing with some of the depth and some of the good players that they have in their lineup here with the Leafs to, to find them their minutes when they're going. And it's not going to be all the time, and it's not going to be every series, but that definitely has to be there. And I think if you go down the bench and ask guys, like, oh, who's going? You know, if you really, like, you know, took a timeout and, and were able to pull the players, like, who should be on the ice? Like, they'll tell you who should be out there, who's playing well, and who should be going. You know, and, 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 and they'll also look down the bench and go, why isn't Willie out there, too, in their heads? You know, like, he's, he's flying for us right now, or he's producing. So it's a feel thing. I think it's a feel thing. Um, and, if, you know, when you have players that are going, players that can be game breakers or pay, players that can be a difference, and it's not all the time maybe I can see, but when they do have those games or the segment of games where they're a difference maker, you've got to find ways to put them out there. I saw that on social media as well last night of, uh, you know, the Willie Nylander. Yeah, uh, social media these days, days, eh? Well, you, you just, just say Twitter. Like, easy, you're, you're Zuckerberg. Not... <laughs> like, you're just, like, yeah. I, well, I took, uh, I took, well, I know, I know. I took courses, you know, I know how to, I know, work. Yeah, I, I, I'm working the algorithms, boys. I'm working the algorithms to it yeah, here, so. Grinding away. A lot of TikTok videos about yeah. playing yeah. off my, uh, no. <laughs> I'm taking my, take, I'm taking all my takes now from social media. Yeah, I got yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Snapchats and yeah, I got so. it. Yeah. No, I look at it. I just give head shakes. Like my neck is sore after. My neck is sore after I look yeah. through that stuff. But yeah. um, doing all your likes, yeah, all the Colby yeah. likes up uh, there. Oh, yeah. likes a few around. head nods. A few head yeah. nods. Head nods for a Ben Ennis for a Ben Ennis tweet. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what to make of this I thing because it. it's not the first time Sheldon Keefe has addressed it post game. He did yesterday. Like there was a question asked. And he talked about it, and he said it's tough because he's not on that line. And he did get a couple of shifts with with Matthews and Marner, a couple Mm -hmm. of them. And you look at the total number of shifts. He had 27. Matthews had 30. uh, Marner had 29. And uh, Hyman had 29. Mm -hmm. The power play one, like, I'm with you. Like, that's that's an immediate fix, but that's only – they only had minute, the one right? power play. They only had yep. one power play, but he gets 41 seconds of power play time on the second unit where they're back in their own end collecting the puck. Mm-hmm. And then he's got to be the guy that carries it into the zone. Right. Uh, figure no, it out. He's the best zone entry guy on the team. He's got a great shot. He's absolutely flying. Put him with the best players. Like Joe Thornton getting more playoff t- or more time on a power play than William Nylander right now in the year of yeah. our Lord 2021 is aggressively bad. Like That's it's just it's aggressively that, bad. That doesn't get him up into even the 20 minute mark, right? And and Sheldon's talked about this. At least that. That he takes quick shifts and I don't know mm-hmm. what you make of that Colby sure. that his shift length is just is just shorter as well. Well, yeah, and, and then yeah, that, that's a that's a big difference maker, but it's like let's go through it. Um, what's he? Is he? He leads the team in goals. Almost leads the team in assists. Uh, tied for power play goals on the team with one, with Sandina Thornton. Mm-hmm. Like, how are you not finding moments for this guy to be like an impact guy? You know, as, and I think especially JD, you mentioned the power play. So, yeah, okay, he takes quick quick shifts, but he's got a, with the depth you have and the versatility I think that you have in this lineup a little bit to find ways to you know, find them a little bit more. And uh, I don't see any reason why you can't when you've got a hot hand. Like I would, and like I I just said this, like it's not all the time. Like Willie next round, if they get through this, might not be what we're seeing in this first round. But right now he's feeling it. 
he's feeling it. So, yeah, it's a situation of balance and managing it and feeling it uh, game to game with, with your lineup. And I think, you know, having a grasp of that and, and looking for ways to put him in situations where, you know, a guy that's feeling it can be an ultimate game breaker or momentum changer or game changer. And, you know, it might be someone else next series or it might be someone else next game. But that's that's ultimately the coach to see that and feel that and put him his players, his personnel and positions to succeed. Yeah, all I know is that like power play is one and you only got one and that doesn't change last night too much. But if I'm looking at other things, it's like, hey, man, um, yeah, you can't really play guys less than eight minutes a night. It's kind of hard to find those moments, especially even strength. And uh, I think Spezza should be getting more minutes. I, like, I don't really understand that one either. Spezza's I think Spezza, been great. I know. Spezza's Spezza played less than eight minutes even strength last night, man. Like, I, that's the other one where I really don't get it either. But Adam Brooks played more even strength than Spezza, and he's like, uh, I, you got to find some more shifts for Nylander down with those guys. Like, that to me gives you the best of both worlds, where all of a sudden you give Nylander an extra shift, put him next to Spezza, put Spezza back on. Now you trust the Spezza line to be out there a little bit more. I, I just, and he yeah, was again, the middle yeah, good, it's easy to play. Yeah, that's it. It's easy to play. Right, exactly. That's all I want is this is Mr. Creative Coach. And so, like, how about a little bit of creativity to find the guy who's been your best player some more ice time? Like, that just seems to yeah. me like, especially in a world where every single guy who's good that I've ever talked to, right, every single guy that I've ever spoken with who's been a needle mover on a hockey team is like, yeah, you really start to feel better when you're around that 20-minute mark as a stud. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The rhythm, everything. Yeah, it's – but I, I just think it comes down to just being a little more creative and finding sure. ways to get certain players ice time that deserve it or that, you know, can be those guys for you. So creativity, we'll see what happens next game, guys. I, I you know, I you get two shots at it, two kicks at the can here to to do it, but you you got to think. I know what you're thinking, and especially J.D., but – um, with this team and then the and the the way this team is the Leafs is built and I mean I gotta hand it to Carey Price all the question marks once again Stop. coming into the playoffs and you know the way he's been able to play keep his team in it and then the tenacity and like pushback of Montreal to like hang in there and, and battle um, but well, it's yeah it's that top line pretty well the last couple of games especially. I just don't know. I just don't know going into series. Like, it's like so funny, right? Cause you go into every playoff series and you're just trying to like, you know, our predictions and everything. It's like, we always underestimate like so many teams going into these things. And it's just been wild. Like even Nashville giving Carolina a run and, you know, we're seeing what Minnesota's doing to, to Vegas. And I'm sure people saw that coming maybe a little bit, just knowing that Minnesota was, you know, a lot better, better team this year, but Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but Nashville, I mean, Nashville is going to sell everybody at the deadline. It was going to be insane a week before the deadline. So, yeah, I think, Should have. you know, you can't underestimate any of these teams when your back's against the wall in playoff hockey and, and what can change and what can be done. So, uh, yeah, it's been interesting first round for sure. You know what, though, man? That's the one thing why I still feel really good. And, again, I'm totally going to wear the dunce cap if they blow it, but – even where it's like, oh, I, like I watched that. I, I, I admittedly watched more of that Nashville-Carolina series than I like to admit because just seeing those sweaters face each other is disgusting. Like, it's like, ugh, like, you know, Carolina, Nashville, like, ugh. Um, yeah. But, and the Leafs-Habs is the complete opposite. 
But I just like Nashville had some like gutty performances. Nashville was playing well, and yeah, they got some goaltending too. But there were moments in that series where you know you looked at them and thought, "Wow, they're they're really pushing the play. They're playing really well." And I I haven't felt yeah. that way about Montreal. Like I'm just they've won two games that I don't think they played well. I think they got off to a good start yesterday, yeah. and they were taking advantage of opportunities, which what you have to be right opportunistic to win against better teams, but. There has not been a moment where I've been like, man, Habs are scary. Like, Habs could do this. Like, Habs are deep or Habs have some guys that are underrated. Like, I, I've never felt that. I, I just don't. And so it's why I'm just like, I, if, again, if the Leafs blow this, I think that it's the most, it's one of the most shocking upsets I can ever, like, it's worse. It's so much worse than Dude. Columbus beating uh, oh, Tampa. I'd say it's almost worse than 4-1 against the Bruins. It's worse that than was David a... Ayers. It's it's a superior team a series you weren't supposed to win anyways you were an underdog you win this division by a quadrillion points you hammer yeah. this team winning seven times out of ten during the regular season sure you're missing your captain but no there's nothing worse than this even in this this team's checkered playoff history of recent years like there's nothing worse than losing this series yeah this would be the most shocking defeat of the first round uh, and I don't know how well. Yeah, just because of all the, everything you've listed, and then just like looking on paper and comparing, yeah, it would uh, it would be. I think J, JD, a lot of people will be wearing a dunce cap if this no, happened. No, but again, like I move, I gotta move to the woods. But I like I need to you lay low in, in your guest house for a little while. Like you know, like I need a I need a place to stay that's south of the border. I gotta get to Mexico. Like I gotta get I I I need a pit stop at your place. Okay, like I I can't be here anymore. I don't know how I'm gonna live in a world where if that happened, I genuinely do not know. Like I, it would be so bad if my It'd friends were having. Of least... this. Three weeks oh. of this on the radio no. every day, no. Ben. Get ready. No, I'd take vacation, man. I would. I'd have to take, like, I'd be like, yeah, mental health vacation. Like, I got to get out of here. How would like, you I watch that yeah. next round series, like Montreal and Winnipeg? Yeah, that would be I, I, impossible. Yeah, a physical I, impossibility. Yeah. You just look at the I, box no. scores afterwards and be like, yeah, <laughs> I assume what happened. I would be 100% Naomi Osaka, like, no questions at this time. Like, I need like, to stand up, like, no questions no at this talking. time. I need to focus on me, and I don't need anything else in my life that's negative right now. Delete social media, get rid of, like, yeah, I don't know. Mm. Our show would only be about basketball. We wouldn't talk about any Stanley Cup playoffs yeah. again. It would be strictly, yeah. like, it is, like, LeBron's the GOAT. That would be every show. we just pull the Nick Wright and just do every show about LeBron James for three hours, and that's the way we'd have to go with this thing god i hate that we went down this yeah. rabbit hole anyways let's summarize it with this to your point. i will say to it. your point though i will say to your point though like yeah you talked about nashville like it looked like nashville hockey games like nashville kind of yes. got the pendulum swung in their in their game's favor where it looked like a predators game and not like the you know the hurricanes and to your point with yeah with leafs habs i i think you know and and we can even say this maybe about the Penns Islanders as well, where I think it's to a certain degree that Penns carried majority of, of the good play and chances mm -hmm. at times. It did look like an Islanders game though, at times mm -hmm. uh, where they were able to, you know, do their thing. But I think you're, yeah, you're right. Watching this series. It's like, it's been, it been you know, leaf game? hockey. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I think you're right in, in that regard, just with this, you know, the game play. So, I, I, yeah, next game tomorrow night, Didi da da da, Saturday night. <laughs> the Leafs, the Leafs need a uh, just have a start. 
just have a desperate start and um you know with the way that they that, that their ability to play and and carry through i mean they had a fight back like hell last game to mm-hmm. to get back into that but they did but they did because yeah. they can so just they've got to focus on that start being being majorly key and that desperation being right from puck drop. That's with their lineup and everything we've talked about. Yeah. So twenty five hundred fans, here we go. It's gonna be great. Yeah, buddy. I actually I will say, like I like and you're nervous, but I am excited and there is a there is a part of me and this is a sickening part of me because I guess I like to be tortured where I'm like, I'm glad this isn't over yet, you know? Like where I'm like, I want this feeling a little longer of Leafs versus Habs and a little bit of trash talk and yeah, like, you know, it's it sucks, and it sucked last night. There's just no doubt about it. But I'm already back into the mode oh. of Leafs winning the series. Leafs winning We're six, gonna get win it in their building. We're going to get some great shots yeah. of glory and of heartache from 2,500 uh, yeah. uh, fans at the game. I think we haven't had that on any of our – obviously any of our games in so long just to see, you know, a, a fan falling into their seat. Uh, in defeat or like standing up and jumping out of there. Like, it's going to be awesome to see. So mm-hmm. you're right. You guys are right. I mean, hockey needs the fans and they're going to get it. And it's going to, it's going to be great to watch. I can't wait. Uh, Colby. Great stuff, buddy. Enjoy your weekend. See ya. All right. Hope you guys make it through the weekend. Hope it goes as planned. JD. I just be thinking of you. Yeah, don't don't send me the text I sent you about Jari if this Jack Campbell. Is <laughs> just send, just send, just send like I don't know. I uh, like I still want your Peloton, so send me that. You know, if they lose, send me your Peloton. I need something. <laughs> I need something nice. I, At this just, like, point, yeah. I don't even know if that thing works anymore, guys. <laughs> oh, that's. A... <laughs> I love it. Is that clothes dryer? Oh yeah. All right, buddy. We'll talk okay. to you. Soon. <laughs> It's like your Peloton needs to update. I'm like, holy jeez, it's been a long update. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys, I'll talk to you later. See you, Sounds bro. good. Colby Armstrong, former NHL mm-hmm. forward, uh, sports analyst. And, yeah, he is a, a lot invested, probably more than you, in the Pittsburgh Penguins. He knows people on that team. It's his former team. He lives in Pittsburgh. And you ripping Tristan Jari on his phone must have been triggering. He's, it's only no, fair if he does the same to you. No, but I was showing solidarity. <laughs> and it was worth tripping Tristan Jari. Like, by the way, that's where if if we're talking about like free agent destinations for guys and who's going to pursue what and open up cap space for anything, is like there's nothing to me more obvious than Freddie Anderson to Pittsburgh. Yeah. Or Edmonton. They had the room. Well, Edmonton might may take a shot, but... That's true. That's a good. That's a good landing spot. That's a one that makes sense, especially since they went after Markstrom. You know, they they went after yep. the in North Division goalie earlier, and mm-hmm. yeah, resign Tyson Boy. Berry, bring in Freddie Anderson. Yeah, it's just I like it. I like it all. <laughs> Maybe they'll give Galchenyuk a bunch of money. Be like, this is the guy to play with McDavid. <laughs> oh, I, I don't love know. It. You know, we probably haven't even done enough show about being mad at Galchenyuk, but it's like I couldn't even be mad at Galchenyuk because I was like, this is Galchenyuk, like this. You're not allowed to be mad at Alex Galchenyuk, who no, yes, you has <laughs> he who, who has created more than yeah. you had ever anticipated. Mm-hmm. Responsible for two goals in the previous game, responsible for one of the crucial comeback mm-hmm. goals, the game tying goal, and then yeah, gives up whew, one of the worst giveaways you're ever going to see in overtime, and is found money, and is that's was sad. on his way out of the NHL, and he's contributing on the second line for a team that still has a series lead against the Montreal Canadiens. 
All that said, if Nick Foligno could play tomorrow, you put him on that line in a heartbeat, you don't even think twice about it. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I do wonder about like that. What percentage I, of Nick Foligno do you need to get him on that line? Well, first of all, you you have to take into 65%? account... 65%? His his health, his long term health, and his ability to function. Yeah, like he. It's oh my obvious. god, I hate it. <laughs> Why are you triggering me? Like I, I'm already mad now. I already just had an angry block where I yell at five things. But yes, fine, I'll do that too. The ten people on social media that were like, "You can't rush Tavares back. You have to think about his long term." Yes, who are you doing that for? Like, who's who's like get Tavares out there? Like risk it all. Like <laughs> Dick. Huh? Why? Unnecessary. Unnecessary. Stop it. Stop virtue signaling so hard, everybody. It's fine. Yeah, it's interesting, though. The Felino one, I'm glad you brought it up because uh, it's obviously not the same degree of injury that we're talking about. We're talking about a brain as opposed to, I guess, a lower body, which is now being discussed as a lower body despite it being an upper body when he was carried off the ice in that regular season game. All right, it's back to a lower body, so who knows what that is back uh, leg something that if he's skating before the group he must be zoning in on it and if you have a diminished Nick Felino to some degree whether you push the envelope a little bit to get him in there for a desperation game or do you wait for that full desperation you do it for game 7 100% yep no you do it game 7 you don't do it yeah you do it game 7